Hi, this is Erica from theweandme.com, and we just wanted to welcome you to the new We and Me podcast. Thanks for joining us, and let's go ahead and get started. Hi, this is Erica from the We and Me podcast. We wanted to thank you guys for coming back and giving us a listen. Today, we're going to be discussing living DID, dissociative identity disorder, with April, a friend of ours up in Canada. How's it going, April? going good. Yay! Thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. We're thrilled that you agreed to come on and we're going to be chatting with April a little bit about what it's like living with DID for her. As some of you know, we have our blog, theweandme.com, and we've had that series going for a little while, the Living with DID series, and we wanted to transfer that over here to our podcast. So we're going to go ahead and chit-chat and get to know April and her system a little bit better. So April, (laughs) does your system have a specific system name? You know, like we use the we in me? We don't have a system name. We just go by, often we refer to ourselves as the crew. Because I have a system of four alters plus me, which is host, my system works very together as a unit they're very protective so the crew step in every now and again and uh help me handle things my sister doesn't have a weaving me um name but refers to themselves as the crew yeah that's um that's kind of one of those standard things we've seemed to found is that whether a system has like a specific name that they all go by or they'll all like refer or answer to there's seemingly like a nickname like the crew for example which we do like that by the way Yes. So how old are you? I'm 47. I'm going to be 48 this year. Um, My alters, my alters, I have Lily, who is the same age as me. I'm more of a motherly figure. And then there's Maddie, who is uh, in her 20s now. She has seemingly feels that the time that she's out counts as time. She counts up the time and gets herself out I have a a part of me that we call we because her name is April the same as mine Um, so it gets confusing so they refer to her as we so she's a we me w-e-e so five and she tends to rotate between four and five she cycles she stays in that age group in that time frame and believes she time travels to be here and help now so she doesn't age and then the oldest is Rogan and uh, has always been referred to as the Watcher. He seems to stay in more than out, more of a protecting his girls. And he is 50, he's five years older than me, so he's 53 this year. Very cool, very cool. And thank you, yeah, for breaking that down within your system. That was our next question. As you said, they all have different ages. They all kind of interact differently with life in the day-to-day or whenever it is that they are out protecting or when they're out just doing things. We, for example, that I want to know if you can discuss a little bit further for some of our listeners. So that, for, for people listening, we is not necessarily a unique type of part to April's system, the crew. There are different types of protectors. So can you explain a little bit further, because those types of parts, parts that 
will see themselves back in those those types of moments in life when the entirety of the system, the person, however you want to refer to that, the host, when they were in specific trauma times and stuff like that. And it's not that we necessarily relives all this different recurring trauma, correct? It's that she tries to protect by going back and forth. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So in her mind, because she believes it's 1975, um, when our earliest traumas were happening, she took the trauma. So I don't have the memory of the trauma, and she does have the memory of the trauma. Some things I do have memories of, and some things have come back over time. Right. Um, but she still holds the majority of secrets, and they call them secrets. They keep their secrets from their particular time right. where the protection or abuse might have happened to protect me from the memory. Yes, absolutely. So the trauma, or they may come forward quickly Yeah. and take over. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think... The protection continues, right? Yes. That, I think, is another thing that some people don't understand because, well, for example, you you told us Wee's age. Um, Right. You know, she's five years old, four to five, and she is a protector. She's the one who, when you were that age, experiencing these different um, trauma secrets... Um, she she protected from them, as did other parts in your system, alters, however you'd like to refer. Because as some of you know, listening, um, I use the term parts when I'm discussing the different parts of me. A lot of people use the term alters, um, others, headmates. There's all sorts of different terminology. And for us, that doesn't particularly matter to me specifically. It's whatever makes the individual living with the disorder comfortable. Yeah, it's hard to find an exact term that would, right. would specifically... It's like five people living in one body. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. But each of them have taken a piece of the main person's path yes. and trauma. And then, yes. so, and evolved over time because they stay and evolve into their own set personalities. Exactly. People with DID, they do have memories. Like you said, I have memories. I know you have memories. Some yes. some of the problems that cause the disorder, but then others that are just everyday memories. Like, I don't know if you remember or not, but yesterday morning, I know I brushed my teeth. <laughs> there are yes. memories. And I can say the same thing for 20 years ago. I have memories. They have major gaps and all those different types of things. More, It's easier to explain certain things in a discussion manner as opposed to people write, uh, reading different things that we write on the blog regarding our Living DID series, because I know we've gotten a ton of emails and tweets and messages about that, asking different questions about these people's lives. So I was like, well, let's take this and apply it to audio, because that might be a little bit easier for people. And one coming, coming back to we, that's one of those parts that we do get a lot of questions about. People are always like, well, how can a protector be younger than you? Because... I continued to grow because they protected me. We're still alive, you know? It's one of those things. Like, these parts protected me and each other. And in some instances, there are other instances where parts will protect other people depending on the situation and what what the situation calls for. Yeah, go ahead. Like, we would not be the first one out if it was a situation that the others, the other alters or parts, would feel that would be not appropriate for a child right so sometimes we may come forward and then be overstepped by another 
Yes, exactly. That's older because the situation may be, um, I'll give you an example. I was at a beach and I watched a girl drown. And at that point, Maddie, who is the older 25-year-old, came because she overstepped we when she realized it was a drowning. Right. Um, and when I went into a panic state myself, Maddie took over. So I was in and out, but Maddie was there helping, not right. we. Um, but maybe in another situation, it might be we who would be the one who steps in to break the situation. Yes. You know, because she is small, her outlook is different. And, and sometimes in a situation, she is the best to take the moment. Yes, absolutely. That right there is another one of, one of those things is that people often misunderstand certain situations regarding DID. A lot of the time, for my system especially, and then in the way that you just described that for yours as well, it seems, is that protectors, parts that would be classified as protectors, you know, like Maddie or we and Rogue and Lily, all these other parts, they're keeping an eye out for certain things. It's not that there's something, you know, the, the drowning, for example, that's that's a horrible situation. We've We've experienced things like that and have part of some of the past things that we've dealt with. But... In regards to that, it's not that just all of a sudden this this part triggered because of something horrible, some horrible memory or anything like that. It's some of these protectors, again, in my system specifically, they're they're watching for certain things and they're paying attention. And like you said, that specific instance didn't call for we. Maddie was the one who could handle that better. So she's the one who took over. Exactly. Yeah. So they seem to be situation appropriate. Yeah. You know, at some point they and and the, the protectors within me protect each other mm-hmm. as well, so that the system runs smoothly. Yes, exactly, and that is something that I'm, I'm really happy that we we're that we're able to discuss here because that that's one of the biggest questions that I get from psychologists when we do our living with DID talks, and then this previous um, just a couple months ago the course. Because one thing that they're afraid of when I when we do these things is that they're afraid that they're going to trigger me and one of my parts is going to become really upset and erratic or harm themselves, me, each other, them, you know, the, the doctors, the clinicians that are taking these courses and these talks and stuff. And I'm like, it doesn't it doesn't really work fully that way. I mean, if you no. touch me, I'm I'm one of my parts is just going to not move until they can decipher why you're touching me. Are you touching me just as a gesture of connection? Are you touching me in an inappropriate way? They're going to decipher the situation. It's not that they're just going to react and harm somebody or myself. That's right. And I think that's a big deception that comes out when we have so much media portraying mm-hmm. DID as being harmful to others, like that we are uh, a threat. Almost all of the people, and again, I, like you, have met hundreds like us. Um, Most of them are in hiding for that reason, because they're misunderstood. And uh, movies that, like Split or um, portraying portraying us as harming others is so highly unlikely. I have not met anyone who has any type of harming of an other. Some people self-harm. Yep. And and we know that people who self-harm, it's a relief of the pain. It's a, it's a, a taking a new pain to get rid of another pain. You're right. not going to cut somebody else right. to relieve your pain. It's not the same thing. And so with this association, they are protecting me. They have no intention of hurting you. They are going to get me away from the situation if it's 
a threat. They're not going to attack you. They're going to do what's needed to help me. They don't. They don't want me to be in the hospital. Um, right. So it's a protective system for me. It's not a threat to somebody else. Where that's a mis- misunderstanding with DID a lot that we take, um, and and we understand why many hide. We write too about disassociation, as you know, mm-hmm. and uh, have so many people through that that are in hiding for that very reason because it is misunderstood as being um, you're going to be triggered and going to react and you're going to do something crazy, yeah. you know, and that is not the case at all. You wouldn't even know. Like when I, when the girl drowned and Maddie came out, the people that I was with had no clue that no. it wasn't me. No, of course no not. That kind now, of... if we had to come forward, right. they would have known, right? Right. right. Which, Which is that that's of a one of those... five-year-old. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's it's an to put her out there and they would not jeopardize me or embarrass me or put me at risk by coming forward. Exactly. Going to come forward to help. Exactly. That defeats the purpose. If someone can, I mean, like for us, for example, there is no, I mean, it is, there isn't a small enough decimal to put on a percentage of the the unlikelihood that you would ever see a little within my system. It's just my system's structured and we found the majority of people's systems are structured. Like it has to be something immensely catastrophic and unbelievably triggering, but that, you know, a little bit more about our life and our adult life. So it's one of those things that like it, it never happened because I have a slew of protectors that structured my system in to such a degree that that's not going to happen. One of them is going to handle the situation and take care of things. And then they're gonna take care of things internally. And it's just such a misunderstood disorder. And that's why we're really happy that since we've been talking about doing this podcast, people have been coming forward and like, yeah, that sounds really interesting. We can have a conversation. We'll see if we like it and that type of thing. So can you can you talk a little bit about your diagnosis and when that occurred for you, how that happened? Okay, I can. Now, when I was dissociative, I uh, I had been seeking help since I was 17. Mm-hmm. So seeking, prop, like trying to find the right help because I didn't know what was wrong with me. I had panic attacks so severe that I would scratch myself and go into a fugue state uh, is what they thought. And yeah. what was happening was I actually was being taken over by alters in a panic. And instead of them coming forward, that's what they were doing is trying to hold me together. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, like a blackout. You know, if you drank too much, you have a blackout. You have no idea what you did. My first diagnosis was parent disorder. Mm-hmm. So anxiety, depression. Then they went on to uh, add OCD. So the labels were added on, added on and on until I saw finally a psychiatrist who works with military and has seen disassociation in that framework, meaning that a veteran can often go back to war. Um, a part of them is stuck in that frame, and they will disassociate back into war. My little town, who worked at base, and took me on because of my situation and was able to give me a proper diagnosis, right? proper help. Um, and that's when we work together, now working with the system. So my crew also has therapy now. For we can work at being a better cohesive system. Now, we've talked about integration, which is a topic that you probably 
Um, lots of people talk about integrating your uh, system to be one. And for me, I am as integrated as I will be. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be more communication as I don't hear my alters as you do your part. Yeah. I don't have that. So. Oh, hey, say that one more time. You, your phone cut out there for a second. Sorry. Right. Um, we'll communicate by a whiteboard where you write, write with a voice, a whiteboard mark. Gives him messages back and forth. And that's how I communicate with my part. I have a very strong system now that is very more cohesive. Integration is one of those things that my scientists, we don't work on integration. We work on making the system uh, more cohesive. Yeah. Yeah, which, and that's that's one of those big things, too. That's another big question that we see a lot with psychologists because they always say, well, isn't integration the purpose of therapy? I'm like, mm, not really, no, because you're talking about an adult, fully developed brain. How I look at that is very similar to you. Like, you are as far as you you can go, in a sense. You guys communicate together you, by the use of your whiteboard. That's what works for your system, and that's what I always tell people. I'm like, you got to kind of look at what each each system is very unique. And an example of that is that your system is much smaller than mine. And then I know people yeah. who their system is much, much larger than mine. And the idea is to kind of go through and work with all the different parts or alters in healing and recovering from their own individual traumas and how they experienced things, as well as then assisting that person as a whole. Because That's to right. me, if you start if you start to work with some of these different parts and all these different traumas that have occurred, whether it be more of like a singular thing that continued or all sorts of different things, depending upon the system and what it is that they all experienced, you need to focus on the person in front of you, not what the diagnose, like not what these different psychologists are writing about and these different diagnostic criteria within the DSM and stuff like that. That's important to pay attention to. However, you're going to, you're going to come across people who are going to meet these different things and they have a different way of handling things. So for, for an example, Jinx, one of the parts in my system, she is largely the one that dealt with the majority of social interaction, whether that be, we were going out to dinner with friends or we were going to the bar or we were going dancing or drinking or whatever the case may be. She's the one who holds those memories because she's the one who is there participating. And then there are a few others who did as well, but there's all these different things. So Jinx, for example, she's the one who handled more of my late teen years in my adult life. She doesn't know a lot of the the very young younger age traumas and stuff like that but you That's have right. to talk, but you have to talk to jinx in order for her to trust you she has to trust you before other parts will trust you there's a whole different set of structures and rules from system to system and for us if jinx doesn't trust you then nobody else in my system is going to trust you so they're not going to talk to you and you know good or bad that's just true so you have to that is some, some seem to think that like, well, no, I, I want to help the person. Right. But you need to help all the parts of the person if you're going to work with uh, complex trauma disorders such as DID. Yeah. And I think that there's a there's a belief that if, if you work through that trauma, that that part will disappear. And mm-hmm. that is not the case. Mm. The trauma can be worked through and they still have their position in your a role in your life. Right. Um, I like how you said that, the, a role in your life. That's, that's very they true. They do. They have a role in your life. They may work through their trauma in your therapy, 
and go through things, but they still exist. They do not disappear just because you worked through it. Um, right. They still have a role. They continue to have a role. The trauma from then is gone, but they have a role now in what's going on and protecting now. Exactly. So there's no, there's no disappearance. Like the disintegrating and they disappear doesn't happen for everyone. Maybe when you're younger, and I, and I think it, for me, I believe as you get older, because there was no treatment available for me early in life, mm-hmm. um, they didn't know what, what they were dealing with, integration is not really possible now at this point in my life at 48. They have right. so gotten so ingrained in their role that it becomes harder to say, let's integrate them into you so that your parts become part of you. That's how I already look at it. Like they are part of me. Now, as therapy progresses and different things already at this point, a little over five years in therapy and their, their roles are changing. They're realizing different things and they're becoming more aware of certain aspects of our now, our reality. Things are changing for the better. And in turn, working with those parts has improved the quality of my own life because they are a part of me. Yes. And that's what I found is that as they settled more, having worked with their traumas, they settled themselves, like settled down, you know, in in a way Mm -hmm. that they calmed, Um, but they still work together much better because each one is now calmer. Right. I have no other way to explain it, but it makes a system and makes me feel my crew, my body, my parts. We're not as juddy. You know, I don't exactly say it's a word, but there's not so much um, flipping for no reason. Right. No, I got you. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. No, I just, uh, I'm just thinking that, you know, it's hard to explain to somebody else how that, how that works, you know, that, right. you know, even when yourself, yourself, sometimes you don't know how it works. Right. It just works the way it works. The brain is a, a massive computer. I think of it that way. This is like a massive computer. Yeah. And this is how my body, my brain has decided we will operate in order to maneuver life because our life started off with multiple traumas of different kinds. Right. So my system, my crew is looking for multiple traumas all the time, but now they're not looking so much and understanding that this is life in a different period and those traumas no longer exist, but life goes on and there will still be things. So sure. they are going to come out when they need, when they're needed sure. or they feel they're needed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's a big piece of things. And that seems to be one of the huge mis- misunderstandings as well is that whole integration piece and how we look at it. And I don't know if you know, um, uh, Shirley Davis. Yes. But yeah, I thought, I figured you did. Um, yes. But yeah, no, we, she'll be on our podcast here in a few weeks. And we've, we've actually been discussing with her some of these different things and how she talks about integration with psychologists. And it's just such a cool analogy that she gives is like your role especially if you're seeing an adult we're not talking about children who have early intervention who have still developing brains i'm 31 you're you know one of your oldest parts is in his 50s and then you you're in your late 40s we have fully developed adult brains this is a different thing but when you finally when someone finally sees something in a child and you have that early intervention piece there you're still working with a developing brain so you can still help that that person, that individual. So they're all people have parts, 
but DID is the extreme version of that to where the person doesn't fully recognize those things because of the dissociation and the different amnesia pieces and all of those etc. But Shirley explains it in a really cool way. She talks about how as the psychologist, as this person, whoever's living with DID, as the person's doctor, your role is to kind of help conduct an orchestra. And you're working with all of these different pieces, so all these different parts or instruments in the sense of an orchestra, and you're conducting. But what your goal is, is to pass that conductor's baton to the person living with the disorder so they can then manage all of their different parts and instruments. And I just always really liked that analogy that she gives because it's it's true. It's not that you're going to be able to fully integrate all of these different pieces and parts of somebody aspects, however you want to word that, but it's that you're going to be able to help them learn positive and helpful techniques techniques for coping with their own lives and make some of these different parts that are younger and stuck in the trauma time of things, you're going to help them realize that, no, it's 2018. This didn't happen today, yesterday, last week, whatever the case may be. It's not 1938. It's 2018. These are the different things that are going on now in life. If you can get a part to that point, then that's super helpful. If not, then there's different there's different things that you do that can help communication and stuff like that, like the use of your guys' whiteboard and those different things. Yeah, it took some time for me to try to figure out how can I make this work, right? How right. can I communicate with them, like each of them? And um, would they communicate? Because at first, you know, they didn't want to talk to me. Like, <laughs> right. They, they didn't want to talk to me. Um, but over time, as we worked with our therapist and worked together, um, it became more of a tool that was used. And now it's a regular tool that we use, you know, and it makes things much smoother. If I miss something, miss a, miss, a, miss a piece of time for a particular reason and, I, you know, something happens in that time period that I maybe need to know about, they will write it on the board. So that I know when I come, because we don't have that connection of sharing information, like some, you do have some, I don't. So we use a a board. So it's just like, I look at it as like, we're we're five separate people stuck in one body. You know, it's, it's kind of like that. And so each of them has their own thoughts, their own agendas and whatever. We need to work together. Therefore, in order to do that, we have to have some sort of common way to talk to each other, communicate. Exactly. And over time, I figured it out. But it it was, again, you need the therapy to bring them to a point, like you said, of knowing that they're in today. This is 2018. This is not 1975. This is not 1982. Right. Um, Now, the smallest part of me, we still does have trouble understanding that this, she knows this is a di- different time period, but she thinks she time travels right? Um, because she's little. You have to understand that her brain is still that her thought patterns are that of a child. Right. So it's like trying to reason with a child <laughs> why they can't have that and why they yeah. shouldn't touch the stove. She We've had many conversations. Mind why she thinks she should. <laughs> right. Yeah, she's a very hard-headed little kid sometimes. <laughs> yes, she is. Yes, she is. But they learn, you know, over time. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, even coming into this period of time, you know, you look at technology, uh-huh. um, we being from 1975, 
first looked at the cell phone as uh, something rattled. It had no clue what it was or how to use it. Uh, it was mm-hmm. used to a rotary phone. Over time, she did learn, with the help of the others, I'm sure, uh, how to use a phone, how to turn on the TV, right. things that are now that weren't then. It's interesting how they can still learn and grow. Oh, yeah. As time goes on, they still learn and grow, regardless of their time periods. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is a very interesting thing in many, many ways. We can actually discuss that more maybe on a later episode. I'll have you guys come back on and we can chit chat about that some. So we're going to come to the end here. And I just wanted to have you let people know where they can find you on social media or find your blog. So go ahead and share that with us. Okay. I'm April. I'm AFR365 on Twitter. My handle you can find me on Facebook. It's a dot Potvin Reinald. Uh, you can find my blog at I disassociate dot blogspot dot com. And again, I'm on Twitter and spend a lot of time there because there's world connection again that I can meet so many people. Like I say, as you have I've met so yeah. many people who have disassociative identity disorder. Many don't speak of it but they will tag you if they see your stuff. Oh, yeah. So I've made a lot of friends there. So um, I find it's a good support network for me as well, knowing that you're not alone, that there are, they say, this is a rarity. It's not really a rarity. 2% no. of the population suffers from DID, and that's the numbers that are counted. That doesn't count the people that have not sought treatment, have not gotten any help, who are oh, not exactly. counted in those statistics. I'm so glad that so, you said that because I always tell people that too. I told them, I'm like, you know what? The other interesting piece of that statistic is I'm not a part of that statistic. I'm not. Neither I've am I. Been hospitalized. I don't have, it is, I have the diagnosis from several doctors, but it is not in my medical records because. No, and it's not in mine either. Exactly. So we are not counted on that 2%. Yep. That tells you that number is not exactly correct. Exactly. So a minimum of 2%. Exactly. And you and I, we're not systems that hide necessarily. We discuss openly about what it's like living with DID and all these different things. And, and I do that. Not. And, you know, it can be a risky thing. You, yeah. I'm sure you know. There are many people in my community and my family who do not know, as they wouldn't. Why, why would they? You operate as a regular being. Nobody would know. Your, your, your system tends to try to blend with you so that they do not show. Yeah. Um, they don't want to embarrass you or make you feel like you're a freak or anything like that. A target. So done, many yeah. people in my life don't know, but it gives me an opportunity to share and help other people. Absolutely. Um, that's that's why I write. But again, in my in my life at home, I tend to hide some of it. Yeah. Because it's not safe. And so we have to remember that there are so many of us out there that are not safe and do not come forward. So that statistic is, is not correct as far as I'm concerned. No, it doesn't count me and it doesn't count you. And we're two more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thank you again, April, for being on with us. And go ahead and stay on the line for me for just a second. And we will okay. get with you in a minute. Thank you, All Erica. Right. Thank you. You have a good one. You too. This is Erica once again with podcast from The We and Me. We wanted to take a quick second and thank April for being on our Don't Forget playback so you can find where you can find her on social media. And thank you very much for listening. Bye, guys. Until next time.